morning. Well, okay, it's a uh, next next slide. Yeah. So uh, let's go back. Yeah. So who are we? That's the maybe that's the title. I guess that is the title. Looks like it's the title of uh, my sermon this morning. Uh, next slide. So yeah, ne next slide. So we're gonna start a little earlier. Uh, so four verses, not just two. The Lord said again, "Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it." Next slide. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, "Hey, let's go out to the field." And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? Next slide. Wouldn't it be great to have a friend like Cain? That's what I'm looking for. Like, when I want a friend, I'm looking at Cain. He's my mom. How would you like to be like him? Have you ever thought, I would like to be more like him? Anybody ever thought that? Some people get there, though, don't they? How does that happen? Next slide. Yeah, so what strikes you about those four verses? Let me just read I'm not my brother's keeper. Yeah. Selfishness. Pardon? Selfishness. Selfishness, yeah. Very casual. Casual? Casual? Yes. Yeah. It's. Pardon? I'm sorry, say that louder. Louder? Yeah. Anything else? Next slide. What a thing that God says to him. Sin isn't some inanimate thing. It actually is stalking us. Like some predator. Now, Satan had already tempted Adam and Eve into sin, and Cain's going to end up going east of Eden to build a city, and he's going to hope for no more than he can see. He is not going to lift his eyes up to what's beyond this world. He's going to forget about looking higher. It's only about the here and now. Next slide. So the Bible tells a story, a true story, that illumines yeah, well, what you and I are capable of doing. 
You know, if, if, if we were going to write a manual for children's church about how to, how to live, we probably wouldn't write the story of the patriarchs. <laughs> Talk about immoral, untrustworthy. I mean, I, I don't think we want, we don't really want to be a part of their family. <laughs> a lot of stuff they do. Next slide. So Cain tries to cut some corners. And then he lashes out. He doesn't take responsibility. Now we don't really know why his sacrifice was accepted. There's nothing wrong with, with grain sacrifice. So there's something wrong with, with, with what he sacrificed. And we can surmise from what Abel sacrificed that Cain held back the best for himself and gave something uh, that really didn't cost him all that much. Whereas Abel sacrificed his, his best. There's something there about whether or not you actually trust God. If I'm keeping back my best, then I'm, I have limited trust in what, in what God's going to do in my future. Maybe, what I, maybe, maybe I have, I'm committed to the idea that what I want ought to be what God wants for me. But we actually desire the wrong stuff. God gives us what we need, not necessarily what we want. So Cain cuts some corners, he lashes out violently, he lies, he avoids responsibility, and he ends up lying even to himself. Next slide. Am I my brother's keeper? Are we only about ourselves? Ultimately, are we only about ourselves? If, is every other human being a threat? A distraction? We have, we are approaching that spot in our culture. <laughs> Where every other human being is a, is a threat an impediment, a challenge to us getting what we desire. Next slide. And our sin shapes us. That's what we've already noted. So Augustine said, this is a beautiful phrase, line, two lines, be careful what you love because we become subject to the things we love and subjects cannot judge. We lose the ability to understand, to reason, to read, to be thoughtful. Next slide. So this is a story that says something about us that is revelatory about us and about our situation. So some of the background here, um, Satan is involved, and that word in Hebrew is shatan, and it, a verb, comes from the verb to accuse or to oppose. So you may know, remember in, in, in a very early on the story of, of, the, of the angel blocking the way, so Balaam, donkey can't go. That angel is called a Satan. Not that it's evil, but that he's opposing. So some words, you know, that their meaning expands over time, and some words their meaning narrows over time. So the word Messiah originally meant anyone who comes as a savior, but it's narrowed over time to be just the one person, Jesus. So 
Satan is a similar word like that. It means anyone who opposes, but over time it is narrowed to be the one figure. So Satan is the one who opposes or accuses. So there's a force outside of us that prompts us to evil that is involved in, in chaos. But there's also our own desire. The uh, scriptures represent that we have within us two desires. Do you remember, do you watch, did you watch cartoons when you were a kid? And you remember cartoons that there was like, a, like an evil you on one shoulder and a good you on the other? That's exactly what's going on here. So we have within us, the Bible says, argues, first century Jews thought this, early Christians thought this. We have a, a, an impulse for good and an impulse for evil. And they're both talking to us. And they're both us. We have both of us within us. That's why we are... Why it's so confusing to be human sometimes. Right? I, I, I've done things that I think were pretty nice and kind and self-giving. And then the next second, I am Mr. Total Selfishness. How did that happen? Well, that's the way we're built. We're broken. And finally, the world, the culture, the environment around us, these, this is the third source of chaos. You might say of evil. Because we are influenced by our culture, heavily, obviously, by what we let in to our minds and hearts. Next slide. So this is a story that perhaps focuses less on Satan, however, but, but more on us. The first sin, Adam and Eve, Satan was directly involved in that one. This is the next story to illustrate it ain't just Satan. The brokenness is in us, or in us. The brokenness is in Cain himself, in you and me. Next slide. So first, who are we and what is our situation? Next slide. So um, we are made human. And the word Adam is the word for human, Adam. Uh, and Adam, at creation, Adam and Eve, are perfectly human. They are human as God intended us to be. After the sin, the first sin, they're cast out of the garden, and they become um, subhuman. You and I live a subhuman existence. It's less than the true humanity God intended. Does that make sense? It's less about it. True humanity is Adam and Eve in the garden. Subhumanity is what all of us live. That's why Paul can call Jesus the second Adam. Jesus is Adam as he should have been. So not like us. He's like we were supposed to be. But we've lost that spot. So we are made for God, but we've lost our way. And that means we need rescue. We need help from outside, from above. Next slide. And sin. Well, you know, originally we're perfectly human, but we've lost that station. Like I said, that's why Paul calls us, calls Jesus the second Adam. But you and me, we're from, we're fallen humanity. Next slide. So who are we? Next slide. Well, the dominant image in the Bible is that we are slaves. And we're slaves to three forces. First, Satan and his minions. But second, and here's the dominant one for this story, 
our own sin nature, our own desire. But third, also the culture shapes us. What we let into our minds and hearts, what we decide we want, what we need. Next slide. So focus on the sin within us. Next slide. Luther said, the Latin here, incurvatus at se. He said, what it means to be human is to be curved in upon ourselves. We can't escape the gravitational pull of our own selves. So something about Cain's offering was less than optimal. And then he succeeded in training himself in unrighteousness, which is what we also do. Next slide. He goes east of Eden and he builds a city and he hopes for no more than he can see. He doesn't raise his eyes above this world. So what's the ecology of sin? Well, <clears throat> what we allow our minds to dwell upon. So what often happens is we're just walking along, minding our own business, and some crazy, even evil thought flashes across the, the, the movie screen of our brains. That's not sin itself. If we decide to harbor it, let it have a home in us, and then we reflect on it, that's where sin starts. And there's a biological image of sin in the, in the Bible. So I plant in the seed, and then you water it. And that seed's growing and alive before anyone else can ever see it. So people are looking at me thinking, that Dr. Nystrom, he's probably praying right now. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe I'm cultivating some seed that I let, I let find a home in me. But no one sees it until it bursts through the soil and starts to grow. And in fact, nobody's, a lot of people won't even see it then. Not until it's suddenly become a huge tree. So, the ecology of sin, it starts with our thoughts, and then if we allow our minds to dwell on them, stop it there. You don't, it's going to get harder, right? Always, it's easier to stop weeds when they first start. Apparently, it's easier to solve car problems when you first notice them, rather than when they develop. I'm talking from recent personal experience right now. <laughs> but we let those things grow and, and they might be deadly. That's what's happened to Cain. Instead of recognizing that he was selfish, he said, no, I'm going to blame the person that actually did right. I'm going to remove that person from my Map. And then he was even lying to himself. I'm not really responsible for another person. 
I'm not even responsible for what I do. Next slide. See, what he can see is only himself. His eyes are not lifted up. If the eyes of our heart remain lifted up, then we remember that it's God who made us and we remember we're part of a family. That we are connected and we need each other. As opposed to thinking that others around us are merely objects and impediments to what we want to do. Next slide. So once again, the biological nature of sin. We plant a seed, nobody even knows we've got it. If we let that thought, if we let that thought captivate us, we think about it for more than a second, we planted that seed. And then maybe we water it, and then it develops roots and it starts to grow, and we have real trouble getting rid of it. We all know that. I can think of a couple patterns in my life that aren't very happy right now. That I need to do some gardening work. I need some Roundup. <laughs> Huge amounts, dangerous amounts of pesticide and herbicide. Because it starts to grow. No one sees it. Next slide. So once again, Augustine said, be careful what you love. For we become subject to the things we love, and subjects cannot judge. Next slide. Okay, so I tried in the first part of the sermon here to articulate a little bit about, about the ecology, the experience that may have led came to be at that spot. But now, look at the other side. What are we built for? You know, God made us to be in relationship to God and with one another. We are built for that. Even our biology is built for that. Next slide. So, to be made for God. Next slide. So, Francis Fenelon was a he died in, I think it was 1701. He was a French archbishop, um, but enormously kind. He turned, he turned his archbishop palace into a, uh, a, a, a hospital for the sick and the, uh, and the poor. He wrote a tract advocating that girls should be educated the same as boys. This is like in the late 1600s, so like wacky ahead of his time. He said about the spiritual life, God is continually speaking to us. But since we are stunned by the noise of the world, we cannot hear. Now let's think about that for a minute. He died in 1701. How noisy was his world? Really. No trains, no TV, no radio. The fastest he could go is as fast as a horse could take him, which is as fast as humans could go in 2000 BC. 
No advancement in the noisiness of, of the world since, since, there were, since God created us. Now think about the noisiness of our world. It used to be I had to go home and turn on the TV. Now the noisiness of the world is chasing me down. Because I have this. And I get notices that I didn't ask for. We are being trained to be inattentive. If it was that, if, if, if he could say that, that we're stunned by the noise of the world, think about how careful we need to be, how thoughtful we need to be to cultivate that spiritual life. Next slide. C.S. Lewis getting a little closer. He said, when you first start to pray, you'll be lucky if you can concentrate for more than five seconds. <laughs> Has that been your experience? Like, I want to start praying, like, before you know it, you're thinking about, what kind of laundry did, I don't really like that laundry detergent we're using right now. And, and why are there, why are there yellow peppers? I don't even like those. I mean, just crazy stuff. We are, we are just not very disciplined in our thought life, let alone our spiritual life. So Lewis says, be patient with yourself. It's going to take some time. Give yourself, cut yourself a break. For the first week or two, you'll be lucky if you can, if you can have a quiet time that lasts a minute and a half. But you've got your whole life. It's like farming. It's not running a race. It takes a long time. Next slide. So what are we made for? We're made for relationships with God, but also with one another. Next slide. So Thomas Nagel might be the, might be the, the foremost American philosopher. I don't think it's, I think it's actually 2012, not 2006. He wrote this book, uh, Mind and Cosmos. Mr. Smarty Pants. He is, uh, I think he has been the chairman or whatever of the International Atheist Society. So he has absolutely no interest in faith, in Christianity, none of that stuff. But in 2012, he published his book, Mind and Cosmos, in which he said, we atheists have got to get off the Darwinian boat. Darwin can't withstand the evidence. He said, what possible evolutionary benefit is there in human self-consciousness, in our being aware of ourselves? Because that leads to, I love you. I care about you. I even, people will even sacrifice for strangers. If it really is the selfish gene, if Darwin is really right, that will always choose self-preservation, how do you explain human kindness? He said, there's no way around it. We atheists are on the wrong ship. 
it ain't going to make it to port. And I don't know what ship out there can do it, but we got to find one. We got to jump off. How fascinating. We are built to care about one another. And we can train ourselves to get past that, but we're built to care for one another and we're built to be in relationship with God. And but as Cain's story demonstrates, we can silence, we can, we can shrink that natural part of us that says, I'm connected to God and to others. And we can choose self-interest to such a degree that we cease to be truly human. Next slide. So community. We're built to be in community. God built us that way. And that's what Cain has forgotten. He has chosen a path which led him To silence that awareness within him. And we as a culture are sure, certainly moving that way. If the you know the postmodern moment, more than a moment. You know, that all we really know is how we experience the world. Maybe this is the simplest way to explain it. Um, so I think this watch band is orange. That's the color I've always seen. When I've ever seen this color, I've called it orange. And all your life, whenever you've seen this color, you've called it orange. But all I know is the color I see when I see what comes to my brain when I see this color. I don't know for sure if you actually see this color. Maybe you see blue. But all your life you've called that orange. So that introduces the idea that all I can know for sure is how it seems to me. And if that's true, and you let that pony, that, that pony out of the corral, where you end up is, all that matters is how I see it. All that matters is how I feel. And you ultimately get to the place where it's you against the entire world. And that sure explains the Karen phenomenon. <laughs> that explains increasingly bad social skills when driving. So what are we going to choose? Cain got there not because he thought, I want to end up alone and angry and selfish. That's my goal. He got there because he wasn't paying attention to what God has called him to be. My friends, let's focus on what God has called us to be. 
and turn our backs on that part of us that says, no, Dave, you're the only thing that's important. Because we need each other and we need the God who made us. Thank you and amen. Amen. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Nystrom, for the word today. Um, oh boy, it's like we never seem to get uh, all of the uh, all of our uh, medical. Uh, I don't see uh, Natalie. I don't see uh, Drew. Where are all the other medical uh, Davis medical folks? Uh, where's Drew? Is it where? where? Oh, he's, he's out. Yeah, yeah. No. Well, thank you, uh, Matthew. Uh, come, it's, it's, let's stand. We're going home. Uh, but uh, we, I, I see a Mick Wilson sighting, and uh, I'm going to ask that uh, the doctor and the soon-to-be doctor come on up here. Uh, come on, I need props. Come on, Doreen. Yeah, come on, come on. So good to see you guys again. Such a blessing. Um, how was the PhD program? <laughs> one day at a time. <laughs> he said, one day at a time. Uh, there's a second verse that goes, a sweet Jesus. <laughs> one day at a time. Uh, so you and Caitlin can commit, commiserate together uh, as uh, you pursue your doctorates. Uh, you at Stanford and Caitlin at UC Davis. Uh, uh, just, I so appreciate you all. Uh, I do, uh, absolutely do. Um, thank you all from the bottom of my heart. Thank you, thank you, thank you again, Dr. Nystrom. Thank you. So good to see you, Anne. Uh, uh, did you go to uh, Florida where you? You did, and she's back. Uh, again, Ann Nichols uh, volunteers with Samaritan's Purse, uh, and it took her to Florida uh, in response to the disaster. No, it was not that it was vacation. The conference, yeah. Uh, but uh, she's uh, constantly traveling, um, and as she deals with life and health and all. So thank you so very much. Uh, again, um, I, I, I would like everybody medical at City Church uh, to get together and to have some discussion about what it is we should be doing. Now, again, Matthew, you can take the word back. Last week, Drew said that he was going to bake some more bread uh, and host uh, 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 some convening of medical folk at your residence and to uh, have that deeper, fuller discussion. So uh, you can pass that word along. So uh, thank you so much. By your heads and hearts with me, our Father, our God. Again, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for uh, watching over us while we slept. Thank you for waking us up. Thank you for allowing us to uh, make our way here. Thank you for the sweet communion of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for every good and perfect gift. It comes from you. It comes from you. Thank you for bringing us back together again. Uh, thank you for watching over us while we've been absent uh, from one another. Thank you for allowing uh, my son Cyrus uh, uh, to be back with us in worship. 
John and Ashley. Father, just, just, God, I just pray blessings on them. Bless Jerry. Give him comfort. Just give him comfort. Give him comfort. Mold us and shape us into your image. Please. Father, you heard the word. uh, Those weeds that uh, grow up in us, nobody sees, but we know they're there, and you know they're there. Do all the cultivating that you need to do. Apply all the spiritual herbicides and uh, that would prevent the fruit of the Spirit from growing into full blossom the desire in the way you desire it to be. You know us. You know us. You know us. And Father, why you choose to still love and care for us, I have no idea. But I just thank you for grace. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for kindness. Thank you for love. Thank you for your joy. Thank you for your peace. Just thank you. Now, Father, as we go down from here, the evil one is ready to pounce. His job is to kill, steal, and destroy. But greater are you that's in us than anything that's in the world. Thank you, Abba. Just, just thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all the women and men that call City Church, City Church. Thank you for the families that are represented here. Again, knit us together in your in your sweet spirit and in love. Thank you, Father. Give us traveling grace as we go to our various destinations. Let us be that radiant light of Christ to any and everyone that we come into contact, so that they come screaming, "What must I do to be saved?" Thank you, Father. It's the name of your Son, my Savior, our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Let every heart say. Deacon Chaplain Tracy, if I can see you before you leave today, please.